Right, here we go again. Bricks and Mortar podcast. We've been away for a little while, haven't we? Good to be back and uh, just want to do a little bit of a show here and see how this grabs you. It's going to be sharp, going to be a little bit shorter than the podcast that we're going to start putting out. It's still going to be property based. Don't worry about that. There's going to be a little bit more about the business side of things. I really want to track my journey as far as bricks and mortar mortgages is concerned to help those out there who are in a similar situation as myself. So a little bit more on the business side of things and we're going to throw in some self-improvement. What I'm going to try and do is get some interviews with business coaches, interviews with those who do a little bit of the NLP stuff. So it's going to be a little bit different, but I'm hoping that you're going to enjoy it. As I say, this show, first of one of of many, is going to be very much down to a catch-up. Just tell you where we're at. What we're going to do is I'm going to have a chat to you about the market, the current property market, specifically in Glasgow. It's been pretty crazy. We're going to talk about lockdown, give you an update as to how the firm has been going since lockdown. Again, that's been a little bit of an up and down story and we'll tell you a little bit more about the company and and how we're doing, the goals that we've set for this year and the new start that we've got. We'll tell you a little bit more about that as well. So as I say, let's talk about the current market because that's probably why you've initially been drawn to bricks and mortar. Let's talk January. Let's talk first of all about the market as it currently is where you are looking at a January market where, listen, let's face it, if you've not sold a property last year, a lot of the stuff on the market is the lingering stuff, as I like to say, the shite of the day. And that's still out there. But what is also out there is a little bit of new stuff. And the new stuff generally is pretty good, the stuff that's out there, but there's not a lot of it because most people are thinking, you know what, I'm going to wait until April, May to put my property on because the perception is that that's when the market starts. But what I've been finding and certainly the feedback that I've got from letting agents and estate agents is this, is that if you're keen to take a little bit of a risk as far as putting your property on the market in January, then I'm absolutely convinced it will pay dividends because you've got so many people that are coming onto the market, are still in the market as far as buyers are concerned, those that have been eating their Christmas dinner, they've come out of the new year and one of their goals last year, the previous year, was we need to buy a property and that's heightened as they've come back into the market. So there's still a lot of pent up demand when it hits January. The problem is that there is no stock there. And Simple Economics says that if you've got too much demand and not enough supply, then prices are going to rocket. I'm going to give you three examples. These are real life examples that we've been dealing with. First one is a property in the West End, Oban Drive, in the end, they got eight offers. Retis were marketing this. In the end, they got eight offers. Uh, we put an offer, I mean, a stonking offer. It was it was 18 grand over the home report value. And we weren't even close. We were fourth out of eight. 
So it was a home remote value at 220. I'm thinking that potentially has gone for 250. Certainly has gone into the 240s. I mean, nuts, absolutely crazy nuts. You market that property in three months time and it will sell because it's open drive. But is, is it going to get eight offers? I don't think so because there's too much on the market there. I think the people that are in the market now, yes, there will be more people that come into the market, but there won't be a great deal more people that come into the market. But there will be hundreds of properties that actually come onto the market. And so there will be an equalisation. Demand and supply will be equal. And so therefore, the property prices are not going to be so crazy, crazy. The next example I'm going to give you is Howth Drive, property marketed by Clyde Property. First time buyer territory out there, but it's Annie's land, okay? Friday, closing date, how many offers? 11 offers. 11 offers. Crazy. Again, put that property on in March or April. You'll sell it. You're probably not going to go to a closing date and you ain't getting 11 offers unless there's something gone crazy mad with the market and I'm not seeing that. 11 offers. Just nuts. And then we put a, we, we offered for a big place in the West End uh, split level conversion. It was valued at, just trying to remember this, home report I think was 725. Uh, we were certainly in the eights as far as the offer is concerned and just nowhere near. Nowhere near. So again, it's a bit counterintuitive, isn't it? People say, put the property on in April, May, start thinking about it in March. But do you know what? It might be an idea to stick it on in January. I had Stephen O'Neill, who runs Newton Property, he said exactly the same thing. Um, and Chris Breckenridge at Corum, uh, he, he's also said the same. Uh, it is just something that has happened for years and years and years in in the Glasgow market. And I'm expecting it'll probably in, in all the markets, anywhere where there is a difference between the supply and demand, there's always going to be a difference. So listen, that's the current market. Other than that, I, as I've said to my clients, I said, listen, I don't think that's reflective of the market as a whole. I think what you'll end up finding, and again, we're in the middle of lockdown, it's very difficult to predict. Nobody's got a crystal ball. But certainly what we have been seeing is that there has been a softening of the market, probably led by the city centre. A lot of people have decided in lockdown, listen, they need a garden. And then when their employer has told them, you know what, you ain't coming back into work. You better start thinking about working from home. Nobody wants to work from the kitchen table. Nobody wants to work from their lounge. And so what's going to be happening is I think people are A, wanting the garden ground, but more importantly, they're needing that extra bedroom, that extra room where they can convert the bedroom into an office space. It's, it is prevalent in the market and you can just see that. So what we're finding is that the stuff that's in the city centre is maybe struggling a little bit, bit soft there. Uh, because garden ground. But listen, that will come back. And we've got a couple of clients at the moment who are looking at stuff and they're keen to buy in the city centre. That market will come back. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it whatsoever. So it's going to be interesting times, I have to say. Interesting times indeed. I 
certainly have done a lot of, of blogs. You can catch the blogs. We're on Instagram, of course. Catch us on Instagram. You'll get... I'm trying to do a daily update there as far as the market is concerned. And, and Facebook, we've got bricks and mortar mortgages. Join us on Facebook there. That's a, what I'm trying to do, as I say, is a, a daily blog. So if you're at all interested in the market, you're buying at the moment, or, or you've just got a general interest in property, then that would be somewhere to join us on that. Interesting times. I think Q1... Once we start to hit middle of February, March, we'll have a better idea as to how the vaccine is rolling out. We'll have a better idea as to a timescale as to when we're all going to get back out there. And I think that will then dictate how we're going to move forward for the rest of the market. So that was the current market as it currently is at the moment. We're dictating this on the 31st of January. I hope you've got your taxes all sorted out. I need to get the taxes paid today that's one of the must thing must things to do for me today but listen let's talk about lockdown and give you um, a little bit of a snapshot as to to what happened in the market because really we've not been on since then I know I did a a number of podcasts that probably actually haven't seen the light of day and to get those who had a good conversation with Kenny McAllister, an accountant, great stuff there on the buy to let and limited, do you go limited company or do you continue on? We'll talk more about that in the coming episodes. And Brian Wright, again, always good to have Brian Wright on the show. Excellent insight into limited companies and whether or not you should be going down the route of limited companies. So the market shut, let's take us back in time. The market shut in April 2020. And I have to say, from our business perspective, we were so thankful that we got that 10 grand hit from the government because the, the have to say the numbers were looking a bit shaky. And I think if you're a mortgage broker or, or in fact been affected by the pandemic and certainly we were not struggling I don't think it's fair to say that we were struggling but it was certainly thankful that we got 10 grand in our pouch from from the government and then the market opened in in August and so you had three months demand hitting a market that didn't have any property and again it was a sort of magnified January effect times 10 because you had three months of demand hitting a market that had no stock or limited stock because people were not putting their properties on the market. They were just waiting to see what was going to happen. And so prices just went absolutely mental. Heard a story. In fact, somebody, two people told me this story about a property in Jordan Hill. It went for home report plus 100 grand, home report plus 100 grand. Just just, just take a moment to think about that. That's 100 grand. Now, I'm assuming that the family who have bought that have gone in on the basis that they'll get into the catchment area, but 100 grand. I mean, I, there was another story I heard of a property in Hamden Terrace. Somebody paid £68,000 over home report value. I mean, if you've got the ear of an estate agent, go and speak to them and... I mean, I was speaking to estate agents and, you know, wizened old pros, you know, people like um, Chris Breckenridge at uh, at Corum, 
Maitland Walker at Retty's. Uh, just mental stuff, mental stuff and Sutherland at Retty's. Just stuff that people just, these people have been in the market 20 years and they'd never seen anything like it. It was just for an for a moment there in three months. It was just absolutely nuts, crazy, crazy stuff. And then it began. I think that probably lasted until September, October, and then you could see that there was an equalisation of the of the supply and the demand. There was less demand there because I think furlough had started really to hit. The lockdown had started to hit, and, and people were maybe a little bit more concerned about moving forward but for that time it was just crazy nobody had seen anything like it and, and we've l listen we've done we've done well out of of that I have to say it probably takes us from getting a, a lead through to completion you're probably talking about two three months so the the figures for us started to improve at the back end of the year and i guess from october through until we're looking at the end of january we've done we've done pretty well i have to say uh, the leads which is we are very keen on identifying numbers and tracking numbers and you can just look at our figures in july they just went nuts I mean, we were getting double the leads that we were getting the previous year. And month on month, that has continued in, in doubling it, it up. So prior to well, last year, we were probably looking at 18, 19 leads a month. And that just jumped up to the mid-30s. So there was... I, I think if you're a mortgage broker, if you're a solicitor, if you're an estate agent, I think everybody felt that bounce. There was no no doubt about that. And we just got to cross our fingers. And as I said to people, we've just got to keep riding the wave as far as the market is concerned. Q2 is going to be interesting. We've had our ups and downs in the office. I have to say we have had the issue with the dry rot at the back of the office. And we've also had a burst pipe, I'll tell you that story. So I, I I suppose like most people, I like to think that I work jolly hard Monday to Friday and I want two days off. I know there's some people out there, certainly mortgage brokers out there who probably work seven days a week. But for me, it, ultimately, if somebody phones me on Saturday, you're not going to be able to put an offer in. Yes, you could tell the clients about you know, that deal and this deal, but it's not going to change come Monday. So generally, I I will reply with a text to clients to say, yep, that's great. We'll speak on Monday. So this guy, a uh, client of mine, phones me and I immediately see it on the phone. And I thought, oh, right, OK. Uh, so I, I send a text back saying, let's, let's talk Monday. Uh, and then within two minutes, he phones me again. And I'm thinking... Hmm, that's a bit odd. Why is he why is he continuing to phone me? And then I realised it was the guy who lives upstairs. And I thought, oh Chings, that's not good. And there'll be something wrong. There'll be something wrong with the property. Because <clears throat> I know that if one of my tenants phones me, the number of buy to let properties, if one of my tenants phones me, then I know that there'll be something wrong that needs fixed. And I that's immediately what I thought here. And of course, lo and behold, he says you've got a burst pipe. Well, 
you've not got a burst pipe, I've got a burst pipe. And he said that, so you can imagine he's, it's the back of his cistern, his toilet, he's got the stopcock and the split in the pipe. In fact, he said that the pipe had just completely sheared. And so what he was holding was uh, a pipe that the full force of, of the water mains was coming out. <laughs> and he said that um, it's going into your place downstairs. Uh, so I rushed over to Crow Road, and I tell you what, I'll I'll put the I'll put the video on. It's just, it is just horrendous. <laughs> I look back at it now, and I think, oh my god, it was just awful. So we've got spotlights in the office, okay, and the spotlights were just like the plug holes, and there was just water cascading out of the spotlights. I mean, it just looked as if it was like the Titanic. It was. The awful. So the guy, lucky enough, because the the he couldn't do anything, so we had to get a T. You know what the things are, the T where you go into the road and you, and you put the pressure off. Luckily, he had a plumber who lived downstairs who had one of those T's and he managed to get the water off on the road because if he hadn't got the water off on the road, I mean, goodness gracious me, I mean, none of the ceilings came down. i got to be thankful about that. But it was just absolutely horrendous. Uh, so we've got the dry rot in the back. We've now got that's all soaking wet uh, and we're having to put the dehumidifiers on. So it's not been great, I have to say, but at least we'll get that on the insurance. The, the dry rot has been picked up on the insurance and there's not that much damage. But the thing is that we've got the laminate floors there and you can see if you've got laminate floors and they get affected by water, then you see that the corners start to, to lift up. And I think, you know what, I could probably live with it, but then if something if it deteriorates over a period of six months, then I'm stuffed as far as the insurance is concerned. I can't go back in six months' time and say, listen, I had a, a leak six months ago. I've not made a claim. I want to make a claim now. They're just going to laugh you out. So I, d I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got Jimmy Perry, who's my handyman. He helped me do the place up a couple of years ago. So Jimmy Perry is uh, is going to help me out. So uh, Jimmy, if you're listening, uh, you need to give me that quote. <laughs> so that was lockdown. Talked about August. The the numbers, as I say, are looking pretty good. I'm happy about. We've talked about the burst pipe, and yeah, new start. So we had somebody start with us last year. Didn't work out. And what I've done is we have taken on a new admin. So the setup of the office is uh, I was the, the advisor and then we had Catherine who was my PA and did the admin side of things. So what would happen is that the clients would come in, I would advise them on the mortgage side of things, do the decision in principle. And then once we got through the decision in principle, then the file was passed over to Catherine and she dealt with the application. And, and dealt with the face-to-face the -face with the client. So we've got to a stage now where in order to grow the business, what we need to do is we need to get another advisor. And the great thing is that when Catherine started with me uh, when we were back at Begley Brown, we knew that she was an advisor and had six years experience in advising. And that was always, I think, 
the back of my mind is that we could get her back advising, which would then leave a free space up as far as the admin was concerned. And then we would just rinse and repeat. And that's pretty much the way that it's panned out. So Catherine's gone on to an advising role. She's loving that. And then we've got a new person in to do the admin. So listen, let's... that is quite good because it morphs into an update as to where the company is. So we've got a new star, Amy McCafferty, and she has not got any background whatsoever as far as finances concerned, mortgages. In fact, her background is uh, a vet background. So she did veterinary medicine, uh, didn't finish that, and was working in a charity shop. I think she was working in Barnardo's. And we've we, we took her on, and I have to say, from from the the minute I saw her CV, she was just a standout. I'll, I'll talk to you a little bit about the process that we had, which was quite unusual as far as the the hiring process was concerned. But from from day one, she was the absolute standout. And what I did with regards to the hiring process was that because it was Zoom, because it was lockdown, I couldn't do any of the face-to-face -face interviews. So what I decided to do was we would do it over Zoom. So we chose, I think, about 17 from the initial pick of applicants. And what I said to them was, listen, I'm going to do a three-minute Zoom call with you. It's going to be recorded and I'm going to fire you three questions. I'm not really going to talk about the, the job. We'll do that if you get through to the next stage. I guess it was the X factor of mortgage broking. So we did the first one and we whittled that down. But from, from as, as soon as we did the three-minute interview with Amy, it was clear to me that it was going to be very difficult for anybody to, to beat her. Uh, so we got them down to five and then we did a long form, standard long form interview over Zoom. And that was a sort of 30 minute interview. and We did the usual standard questions, but it, we recorded it. And I think that if you're going to be doing any hiring and you're going to be doing it over Zoom, then record the interview. Obviously, you'll need to say to the applicant that you're recording the interview because Back in the day when I was doing the legals, I was the staff partner and I was responsible for hiring, certainly the secretarial staff. And the amount of times that you could take copious notes, but it was never as good as what we've got with the process on Zoom, because you can go back and you can see people's body language. You can see how they react to specific questions. You can see how well they're prepared. And it was a fantastic tool, I have to say. The other thing that we used was Indeed. Now, I'll use Indeed again. Great, great service, intuitive and great for keeping the clients up to date, the prospective candidates up to date, and also great for me just to monitor so just I'll tell you a little bit about how we went about hiring. So what I decided to do, I've been reading a book. Um, I can't remember what the name of the book is. I'll come back next week and tell you about that. Anyway, they, they, they suggested a particular way of hiring. So what I decided to do was I wasn't interested. My view is this, is that you're looking for talent. Okay. I'm not necessarily, and I probably never will look for somebody who has got 
the talent and the experience. Experience to me is secondary. You can teach anybody anything. I mean, it's mortgages for goodness sake. And, but talent is something that you have to have. And so I said in my blurb, I said, listen, I'm hiring on talent. I couldn't care if you were the lollipop man, as Davy Hutton said in his, his uh, video. Well, you have to go and look at that. If you're not following uh, Davy Hutton on LinkedIn, do follow him. He's, uh, he's good value. So I don't care what you've done in the past. I don't care if um, you know, you're know you straight out of university or you're out of school, but I'm, I'm hiring on talent. And so what I decided to do was I asked three questions I said I'm not going to potentially look at your CV just answer these three questions and the way you answer these three questions will dictate as to whether or not we're going to give you an interview so the, the three questions the first question was um, how would your best friend describe you tell me about something you've excelled in and some other question anyway those are the two important questions so we had about 260 people who had applied and guess how many of those 260 actually bothered to complete the question I think we had about 20 and what I stupidly did was I actually went back to those who hadn't because I thought me, me being me I thought well maybe when they've seen the application for some reason the questions aren't there but the questions were front and center I mean you couldn't miss them and of course 20 people had applied, so it must have meant that they could see the questions. And so what I did was I gave them a second chance, and I shouldn't have done that. That should have been my funnel, and I think the next time we're hiring, I'm going to give them, that's it, you've got one chance, and if you can't follow a simple instruction, it, you're, not, you're not screaming talent to me, is the bottom line. You're not screaming talent to me. So... We got the answers to those three questions and then we went through the process. We whittled it down and then we've we've got Amy. And as I say, she's... And listen, she started off and she's just a sponge, a sponge just wanting to learn, super keen, super smart. And within... So we started her in October. So within, I guess three, two or three weeks, we just knew that we'd made the right decision. And we're going to put her through our mortgage exams. What we're hoping is that she'll pass her exams in August. And then as long as there's enough work, then we'll just do another rinse and repeat. So I'm hoping that by the end of summer, we'll be in a position where we can start looking again and going back to Indeed and getting getting some more talent. So it's all really exciting. We've done our goals which are pretty pretty audacious goals, I think. Stretch goals is, is what we're looking for. I'm doing a bit of coaching, and I guess that will lead into future podcasts. What we're going to try and do is, is to get the coach on and have a chat to him about business coaching. Uh, so that's, that's going to be exciting. And, yeah, it's, it's just... What, the other thing that we've done is core values. I... Um, I don't know if I've probably spoken about uh, the one thing. It's a great book, Jay Papasan and Gary Keller. If you've not read the one thing, for me, it's one of the the in most instructive books that I've I've read as far as organizing your time. And it's all about organizing 
everything in order of priority so that you identify what the one thing is that can move the needle forward and then what you do is you line the dominoes up and then you keep knocking down the one thing and that will lead to uh, success and I'm a, a great believer of that and they've got as with most of these things that they've got a whole raft of um, courses that you can go on etc so I've I've got a monthly membership I, I think it's peanuts I think it's about 200 quid for the for the year and for me it's been absolutely great and they do this thing called a 411, which is all about uh, your annual goals and then breaking those down to monthly goals and then weekly goals. And you knock those off. And what we've got from the staff is that we do 411s with the staff as well. So Amy and Catherine, we do a weekly catch up and see how they're getting on with their their 411. So that has been that has been great. But anyway, part of this uh, course or the, the money that I spend, you get you into this uh, goal-setting retreat. It, it's Listen, it's quite American, okay? So you've, you've got to just <laughs> bite your tongue a little. Uh, but the stuff in there is, is pretty good, and I've been using it for a couple of years now. So anyway, back to the 411 and the retreat. So this is a goal-setting retreat, so it was over a two-day period. It was all done over Zoom. And it forced you to look at your someday goals, your five-year, you know, bog standard stuff. Anyway, one of the things I found was quite interesting was this core values exercise that they did. So they have got 120 core values. And then what you've got to do is you've got to pick eight. And this can be based upon core values for your business, core values for your individual person. And we've taken that and we've done that. And I've asked the staff to do that as well. And it's really interesting. I think it's so important for you as an employer to understand what the core values of your staff are. Uh, so my core values as an individual, uh, and it's probably order of importance, is, is optimism, dedication and courage. So I'll, I'll unpack those as we go through the podcast moving forward. But for the business... The core values for the business, bricks and mortar mortgages, is all about transparency, education and excellence. Transparency is very much all about making sure that we tell our clients what the costs are going to be. Even before they've signed a fee agreement, we'll be telling them who the best lenders are. And some people say to me, why do you tell them? that the best deal is with Nationwide, the best five years is with platform funding? Well, there's two reasons. First of all, they can probably go and find that information now on the likes of all the, the uh, search aggregators out there. So it's not as if we're back in the 1980s where we know the information and nobody else knows the information. Those days are gone. So why don't you just be completely transparent and say, this is what, because ultimately they can go and do it themselves. As I always say to my, to, to my clients, generally the people that we act for are those who are first-time buyers, i.e. they don't know, the tried and failed, i.e. their circumstances are difficult and they can't get a mortgage, so we're here there to help them. And those that I term the can't be arsed. So those that are time poor, that they just say, Johnny, you're the expert. 
I'm a solicitor, I'm an accountant, I'm a doctor, I'm this, that and the next thing. I don't have time to sort out a mortgage. You know what you're doing. Just get me the best two-year fixed rate. Get me the best five-year fixed rate. So that's where transparency comes from. And really, bottom line is that if I give somebody and do all the, the donkey work and tell them, listen, you need to go and get a two-year fixed rate with Santander, and they decide to go somewhere else, do you know what? Quite frankly, I don't want those people as clients. I don't want a client who milks you for information and then buggers off and does it themselves. I'm a big believer that you're going to get the best work from me if I enjoy dealing with you. If I've got a bit of a spark and I enjoy dealing with you. So if your own personal core values mirror the, the core values of the company, then we're going to get on like a house on fire. I'll enjoy doing my work and you'll enjoy the whole experience because the experience of, of buying and selling can be stressful. And what we're really trying to do is to avoid that whole stress side of things. So the core values, transparency is import, really important. That's the number one. Uh, and then we've got education. Our aim at Bricks and Water Mortgages is to make sure that we are the most trusted voice in the industry. And the only way we can do that is by educating through blogs, through podcasts, etc. And then excellence. In order for us to be successful, we need to be excellent at what we do. So core values, it was a great, great... If you need or want to get any information about the core values, I'm quite happy to send you the sheet. It's just a PDF and it's got 120 core values there. So if you wanted that, then happy just to send that on to you. Just drop me an email at jonathan at bricksandmortarmortgages.co.uk or you can link LinkedIn. Yeah, we're on LinkedIn. Uh, just Jonathan Williams. Look at me there. You can message me there. You can uh, you can message me on f uh, Facebook and also leave something on Instagram. We're there under the uh, auspices of Bricks and Mortar. So I've prattled on. I was going to just keep this to 30 minutes. I see we're already over at 34. So uh, listen, next week we're going to talk about the website, um, my own plans. I'm going to try and get back into the buy-to-let side of things. I'm looking limited company buy-to-let. So there's a bit of a journey there. A uh, fellow come across, Andrew Umid. <clears throat> going to sort of be mentoring him over the next months, however long he seems to have a, a bright future. I wanted to try and get into property, so I think what we'll try and do is get him on. We've got one buyer who's been at the coalface and has got some stories to tell, so we're going to get her on as well. So lots and lots of things happening. I'm going to sign off now. Listen, we'll catch up with you next week. Till next week, don't forget, if you need a hand, pick up the phone, call Johnny. Start packing. <laughs>